people, we tend to believe that we are fair. We go around with the notion that we are very fair. And for the most part, reasonable people. We believe that whatever circumstances or whatever situations that we are opportune to judge or give a certain level of um, opinion or judgment that we are relatively fair. Hence, when we make decisions, we tell ourselves that we are the best people to make those decisions. No matter how hasty the decision was made, no matter how ill-informed that decision was made, no matter how clouded that decision was, we convince ourselves that we are indeed of sound mind, a resolved judgment, and the scale is balanced, you know, justice was served, yada yada yada. And we just convince ourselves in the, in the best of our thoughts and we tell ourselves that we are the best judge for that situation at that moment. That no one in the history of candor would, you know, deliver a, a finer judgment than we have. But we tend to underestimate the heft of being a judge. We downplay the responsibility, you know, of delivering judgment, of carrying out judgments, of passing on judgment, you know, or passing judgment rather. We often tend to not realize or we are not aware of how tasking it can be, you know, to be a judge, of how often it strains the arm that, that holds the scale. I think somewhere in law it said that, yes, Lady Justice is blindfolded, but she's not blind, you know. She often would peek through the blindfold to see who stands before her before she swings her sword. I say that to say that we often deliver judgments based on our personal givings or misgivings about a person, a situation, or a topic. So if I have, for instance, um, this, is a, this, this is a touchy one. If I am a victim of abuse and have not come to terms with my part in said abuse, I have not come to terms with the event, I have not forgiven myself, my assailant, I have not resolved that inner turmoil. If I should come upon a scenario where a person is being abused, be that in me, the person is being punished, but to us we see it as abuse, we would take a more defensive stance to the person. You know, I, I, I don't think, but I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's settling in or the point I'm trying to make. Um, 
or if we know let, let, me, let me put it as if we know people who have been abused and um, the stories they've told us about how their oppressors or assailants often you know abuse them we hold that information in our heart subconsciously or sub Subconsciously, we we might not be, even be aware that we have that given or misgiven. Up until we are placed in a scenario whereby we hear that someone else is being abused, hence we don a superhero cape and you know swing it to action. At that moment, the assailant is the devil. You know he needs to die blah 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 no forgiveness for you know just probably my my analogy or my example wasn't well deep rooted but my idea is when or the idea of it all or, or my point is when we are victims or when we seem to have a certain level of um, inclination into a particular subject or topic or even occurrence we tend to favor said topic you know happenings or occurrence when we give our judgments or our takes on said matters and opinions Not realizing that having said stands and having said givings is unto the people of Oz who believed in the wizard's equots, the wizard's ability to make the city emerald, and hence dawned on. Emerald themed glasses or eye shields or sunglasses. And that adornment created a screen via which they saw the world. And since they perceived the world through an emerald screen, the world hence became emerald like to them. You know, hence, they had the emerald city. That screen, that green screen, that um, that yes, that green screen or let's say that dominant which we have now decided to view the world through, is often most likely commonly referred to as bias. Um, we have we have to a, to a certain degree. A certain level of bias towards some topics you know i don't smoke so all smokers are wrong i don't drink so all drinkers are wrong um i don't exercise so people who exercise are just very strange strangers people um i do exercise people who don't exercise are lazy and unhealthy you know i eat healthy those who don't eat the way i eat are so when we see fast food restaurants or when people who eat salad see fast food restaurants, they just think to themselves, oh, 
that poison joint, you know. Um, so it's it's that bias. That bias just keeps flowing in our day-to-day communications. In in, in the kind of topics we speak, um, we have the kind of topics we engage in, the people we speak to, the places we find ourselves. Um, And the things we think about, what occupies our minds. If you're a knowledge seeker, what would occupy your mind? The books. How 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 much books have I read? Um, what do I know? You know, new informations are exciting to you. If you are a practical person, you're you're finding out what the latest tool is, what the latest shortcut or the latest hack in creating whatever devices or you know DIY plans or setups that you can create. So those biases are just are just I, I, I don't call them operating systems but they are the yes yeah, I'll say they are the interface via which we we relate with the world, you know. And those experiences make it our experiences now further reemphasize this the interface and you know it's like a continuous circle. We have an experience. The experience feeds the bias. The bias creates a, a, a heavier interface. The heavier interface makes us have the heavier experience. The heavier experience feeds back the, our bias. Our bias strengthens our interface. So it's like that. The cycle continues, you know. And that's why when I, I started off, I said if the person does not um, heal or come to acceptance to be able to think or to be able to you know perceive or relate with their external um, stimulants from an objective point so um, let's say mr a stabs mr b and because you know mr b mr b is your friend you already have a bias of rescue towards mr b now, you, no matter the claims Mr. A tries to place as to say that, oh, he was being assaulted at first before, upon defense, he stabbed Mr. B. It wasn't fatal, but it was a stab of leave me alone. You know, I don't want to hurt you, but you're hurting me, so now I have to hurt you to show you how I feel, you know. Trying to explain the feeling of vulnerability and this was the only thing I could do to you. At that moment, your bias is you hurt my friend Mr. B, and to frame it better, I want to ruin your life. You know, I want to make you feel hurt as well. It's crazy because uh, it happens in our daily lives. We, we meet a person, we don't fully understand the person, you know. Um, we go with the cliche of first impression, first impression uh, counts. First impression, you know, you know, first impression is, is key, whatever impression you have of a person. Chances are the first impression of that person, the person was having a shitty day. So the person was gloomy, tired, irritable, and snappy. And your first impression of that person is that this person is a very irritable, snappy person. I can't deal with this person. Only for you to, because you've created a bias of that person, you wouldn't want to talk to the person. You wouldn't want to have anything to do with that person. You say, oh, after all, he's snappy, he's everything. Then you meet the person, 
maybe a month, two months, a year later, and finally the person was happy and you know, and people tell you that oh, or even and the sport people tell you that oh, he's actually very, actually very happy. Sorry, excuse me. He's actually a very happy person. <laughs> you know, he's actually a very happy person, and you, you're like no, no, he's 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 disrespectful. He's rude. He's because you've created that bias based on the first encounter you had. And you've held on, you've held on to that bias because that bias has been reinforced and um, reinforced by your other experiences. I don't, I don't blame people for, for holding or for owning bias. It's, um, it's, it's an evolutionary trait. We tend to learn from mistakes and we tend to learn from our environment and make decisions based on those learnings. And because we've learned to to, be, to make decisions based on the learnings from our interactions with the environment, we emphasize those decision-making skills as we interact with the environment, and it makes it it makes it more difficult to break the cycle of um, decide first, ask questions later. You know, most times we see two people fighting, or we just argue, or we see a man and a woman having an altercation, we'll be like domestic violence. Probably they're just arguing. They, they are not, they, no, no, nobody's hurt, you know, the man has not raised his hand, the woman has not raised his hand, you know, they, but you see children having an argument and you're like, he's abusive, ah, toxic relationship. It's coming from a place of, you've made your, you've made your conclusion within your mind and you're just looking for external um, inputs to validate whatever conclusions you've had in your mind. Hence, I started off by saying, people often think that being a judge is a very easy job you know it takes years of training from i'm not i don't know the jargon the jargon in the legal term or the legal system, but you know where you have to go through being a, a lawyer you know become a senior advocate become a senior partner and whatnot you, you start studying to be a judge go to it so i'm 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 quite certain that there's a school of um i don't know the word but i'll say if school of not giving a fuck um, permit me to use that now. So, so I say not giving a fuck because as a judge you have to not give a fuck about the person or the effect of the person on your decision making. You have to not give a fuck about both the complaint and the plaintiff. So the plaintiff and defender and yeah the plaintiff and the defend and the defense yeah. I don't have my photographs together right now, but as I'm speedballing, you have to make your decision as unbiased as possible. You know, sometimes due to some interactions within the courtroom, you might be privy to see some natural reactions of people, which might be far from what they actually intended. But in the case of being stressed, in being under a stressful scenario, they react in a certain kind of way and if you're unfair, you would mark them to react in that way, not taking into cognizance that they are probably just stressed, or they are some people. You know, some people react to um, stress differently. Some people can be in the face of a terrible and imminent danger and laugh, and most people's reaction to that to be they are, they are unserious. They don't take anything seriously. No, they are scared out of their clothes. You know, they want to pass in their pants, but they, 
the survival mechanism or whatever um, coping mechanism that they have developed is to laugh it off. You know, the laughing eases, it releases dopamine within their brain and they are able to calm down and, and collect themselves and be together. So, bias, right? Um, people don't understand how heavy our biases are. You know, say, oh, you, you don't, you can't know a man except you walk in his shoes. Oftentimes, the shoes he would give you or the shoes you'll be privy to walk in are not the shoes that hurt him. It might be his comfy shoes, but because you've not worn the comfy shoes, and I'd be like, oh, his life is so so great. He, he has more than one shoe, you know? But you've created a bias whereby you feel, oh, he has a very comfortable shoe, and this particular shoe is quite, quite comfortable. So everything about this man is comfortable. But he's not trying to explain to you that, oh, I have two or three other shoes that pinch me, one in the heel, one in the toe, one, you know? You know you, you, then you now expand your view and be like, oh, so you don't own one shoe, you know? You're made up of different parts of your life. Everybody have their personal uh, misgivings and personal experiences and whatnot. Um, so bias, right? We often use it to summarize um, our judgments. It, it makes us move on faster from occurrences. It makes us it makes us uh, make quicker decisions or what we think quicker decisions but our quick decisions aren't necessarily smart decisions you know we make we make decisions that are the best for us at, at that moment they might not be the most cognitively sound decisions they might not be the most uh, accurately sound they might not be the most justly served decision but we decide either which way and we stick to it uh, um, to, to use speech and say oh I, I, I do I do on my chest you know Um, to fight said bias would be to implore thinking. You know, um, someone asks you a question, a yes or no question, and you realize that oh, the yes or no question has more than one part to it, and you answer open-endedly, and they get offended because you are not constrained by the yes or no, and they look at you like oh, um, you're you're having or you're making these decisions. Because or you or, or you gave a open-ended answer because you're you're trying to um, avoid a certain level of um, interaction. You know, sometimes things are not always black and white. You know, that's why they ask for witness one, witness two. They ask for in the court system. I'm going back to the court system now. Um, they ask for the jury of pairs. I mean, yeah, jurors of pairs. You know. You'll be judged by a group of jurors of your peers, those ones who have coming from different walks of life, have had different experiences with other people, um, have touched different levels and different uh, spectrums of biases. When come, when put in the same room and your case is being tendered, they all have to deliberate, you know, unanimously on the issue at hand. So they start going from motive to location to convenience, you know. They start going, they start checking off all the lists. And if there's someone who does not still find it given, the decision must be unanimous. You know, they review it again and they go over it. Even with that, even with a mixed up group, even with a mixed up group, 
of jurors, the judge can still overturn their decision and give a different judgment, you know, based on what he has now experienced or the certain level of um, uh, knowledge he has. That also is also a function of bias. So, um, it, it, it might sound, it might look um, quite trivial, but to a greater extent, it, it dominates a whole lot of decisions that we make as people. Decisions we make and the reasons we make those decisions, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Bias. You know, we move around with tiny screens or t- a pair of green glasses in our pockets. And um, when asked to view an emerald city, we just put them on and say everything is green. You know, not remembering to pull down the glasses and actually look at the city to actually see if the city is indeed green so until next time bye for now push down your glasses everything is not black and white